Get updated with the hottest news in insurance, finance, and the newest innovation in InsureTech and FinTech in these difficult times. Hear it from one of the most known and respected voices in the industry, Dr. Robin Kiera, and his guest of today. This is Insurance and Finance live from the headquarter of Digital Scouting in the beautiful and today sunny city of Hamburg in Germany. Today we have a very special guest, Eric Fulweyer, you know, a legend in the marketing industry and now CEO of We Are Rival. Thank you very much for being here and for sharing all secrets in marketing and um, yeah, in, in marketing. Thank you very much for being here. Yeah, excited to be here. Always excited to hang out with you. Robin, and I will do my best. I mean, I think you're setting the expectations kind of high, but I'll do what I can. Yes, and what you guys out there can do is share, comment, uh, like this post, tag people who really need to steam up their marketing game, you know, and comment. And if you don't have anything to say, just leave us a heart emoji. We love that too. Um, all right. And my first question is, what is the difference between traditional marketing and what you are doing. Why I'm asking this? Because I see around the world or in also my market, a lot of traditional agencies and sometimes I have the feeling they don't have anything to do what we are actually doing. So what is your understanding of marketing and why is it so important? So I'll give you my answer, but I want to give you a little bit of context. So um, my background is mostly in startups, but I spent 10 years working in advertising agencies, seven of those at VaynerMedia, which is where we met, of course, Robin. Um, and my clients there, and also being CMO of a fintech firm here in London called 11FS the last um, two and a half years, you know, I always worked with very big established enterprise organizations. So it was Standard Chartered, it was Barclays, it was JP Morgan, it was Unilever, General Electric, et cetera. And so as I was thinking about launching this new firm, which we did last year, what I'm fascinated by, based on my experience and just what I see out there, is the difference between how challengers grow and how incumbents grow or try to grow or in many cases don't grow. And so you know, a lot of that, of course, comes down to product. Um, and one of the things I believe is the best marketing is a great product. But to drive long-term growth, you essentially need innovation for the product side and the marketing side. And the marketing side is what I know. Based on, based on my background. And so to answer your question of, of what that actually looks like, you know, we can talk about the strategies, we can talk about the tactics, we can talk about the models of what these companies are actually doing differently, but fundamentally what it means to be a challenger, to have a modern approach to marketing is that the way you go to market, and that includes everything, that is not just your marketing strategy, what channels you're on, the type of content you're doing. That's how you set up your team, the type of talent you have, the type of culture that you foster. It is fit for purpose for the world of today. Anything that is not fit for purpose for the world of today that was designed two years ago, 10 years ago, 20 yeah. years ago, that you're trying to apply to the world of today, we call that the challenger growth gap. That mm -hmm. is where your competition is going to catch up to you and grow faster because they're more fit for purpose for today. And the last thing I'll say on that is, you know, the whole business of what we're doing is kind of around challenger marketing, but my fundamental belief is how these challenges are going to market. You know, it's special of course, but it's not a secret. 
I think that any business can take these models and take these mindsets and apply it to their own marketing to wow. drive that type of hyper growth and close close that challenger growth gap. So it's a little bit of kind of where we're coming from and our perspective on things. Do you have one example of that? Well, I can give you an example in the insurance world for sure. Lemonade. Yeah. As an insure tech now scale up, I'd say the way that they market is not like how a traditional incumbent insurance company markets. Mm. Um, I ran a, a fintech marketing podcast while I was at 11FS and I had the pleasure of interviewing the VP of marketing over there and just hearing how she and the team thought about the purpose of their brands yeah. was something that I just don't think that you would get from some of the incumbents that they were challenging. And of course, if you haven't seen the work that they've done, it's very provocative. It's very kind of like, we're going to take on the industry uh, types of things. It's maybe stunty in a little way, but it's worked for them. They've got the pink kind of color palette. They stand out. Um, so that's one example. You know, we did a lot of bank. We did a lot of work in the banking sector as well, building challenger banks. Yeah. And so you look at the likes of Monzo and how they built a community around their brands. Um, you look at the likes of kind sure. of Revolut or TransferWise, I think is actually a great example, bringing transparency uh, into a, into kind of a, a sector that maybe people didn't even realize what was going on before. So there's, you know, we think about kind of the brand side, the go-to-market side and the culture and capability side. And, I, and these I, challengers are doing things different across all of that. I would differentiate in two points, especially when you have transfer, trans, transwise or transfer or wise, how they are called now. Yeah, now called and, wise. Yeah. You know, or, or Revolut or, 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 or these companies, they have like really revolutionary products. Um, by the way, I discovered a few uh, Bitcoin in my old Revolut thing. I bought like years oh, ago. Oh, that must be nice. Oh, that was a really <laughs> cool thing. Uh, uh, unbelievable. Um, and by the way, tax-free since now, it, it was over a year there. Um, all kidding aside, so I think to have a revolutionary product is one thing. But what I find quite interesting is, and, and what you, I can align, I think building a community, going the hard way, providing a lot of value for the end consumer um, is, is vital. And by the way, insurance uh, and companies still have a lot of budget, but they are burning it for stuff that doesn't work anymore, in my view. Um, and what I found quite interesting that sometimes we are working together with innovative startups that have a great, um, great product, innovative but then they're falling back on like old school marketing tactics. Um, yeah. And how do you explain that? Because I'm always so astonished. I'm like, guys, you're so innovative. You have, you have a clear vision. You are putting everything in question in your core, in your tech core, that you're just copying the old yeah. guys uh, in your marketing and sales principles. So, so I actually just submitted a quote to, um, I wish I could remember the publication, but somebody's kind of doing predictions on fintech yeah. marketing for 2022. And that's what I said is as these... Uh, challengers grow up, you're starting to see them become more traditional in the way they market. And I think part of that is because traditional marketing channels, especially if you think of the likes of TV or above the line, it's easier to get scale, especially in a world where third-party cookie-based performance marketing is going away. But the, I think I think a big a big reason that probably doesn't get talked about enough is because they're hiring people from traditional that's businesses my point and is. so they're bringing the traditional playbooks with them yeah, yeah, yeah that's what i always say that's that's my point i say if you hire from some you know agency or incumbent the vp of communications yeah. do not expect anything crazy and i think that's that's super important because i always say would you hire 
in your development team or your product team somebody from a company with outdated products and principles? You probably wouldn't. Yeah. But and, yeah. and that's, by the way, so important why you have a new strategic agency at your side to help <laughs> you with that. All kidding aside, but it's super important to, to hire actually people outside from outside the industry or that are as innovative in, in these areas too. And um, by the way, I, I, I say I see it too. And TV can be scale, sponsoring a soccer yeah. team or a football team can be scale, but I sometimes think it's a fake scale. For example, let me put it in a, in a soccer game. Uh, I'm not talking about a large intertech in Berlin. Sorry, Julian. Um, but if you sponsor a soccer team or in, in the US, for example, I know online gaming companies that had trillions of dollars and then started to sponsor football teams. And by the way, you guys, I see you out there. I see you watching. I even see you sometimes in, in various channels, your names. Don't hesitate to like, share, comment um, out there, really. You know, don't be shy. Eric doesn't bite. My point uh, to coming back to the soccer and the football thing is it looks like scale, but it's not. Okay, you can have it, you have the logos, but the big question to coming to your community point is, I think if you do sponsorship of like these clubs and combine it with attention hacking and combine it with, we're doing a documentary yeah. about it, we do a lot of content yeah. with it, then that works. But just putting the logo on a chest of a soccer or football player doesn't work. And I think that's sad because um, um, you could like do a lot of the, these things but 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 you don't so i agree i think it is, is uh, hiring is vital or having partners yeah. on your side i always also find it funny that people sorry sorry for my rant yeah that people no, also find agencies for i don't know social media work exactly. and these agencies don't yep. have a footprint on social media themselves i'm like yep and that's the thing i was going to say is there's hiring talent internally and then there's also the partners that you put around you so if you bring more traditional agencies to the table you're going to end up with more traditional media plans and more traditional creative work now i will say on the on the above the line and kind of you know fake scale or you know is it real i think i think the thing there is there's potential reach and then there's real attention yeah, and so good. especially with a lot of traditional channels or like sponsoring a football team, you know, they're going to tell you the numbers of how many people come into the stadium, how many people watch it on TV and all that stuff. You know, it's not it's real in one sense, but you're not actually necessarily reaching all those people every time. It's always somewhat inflated. That said, for example, here in the UK, Pension B, I know the CMO over yeah. there. They've sponsored a football team and it's actually worked pretty well for them because they didn't go for the Manchester United. I forget which division they were in, but you know, it comes down to finding underpriced attention and delivering a message in a creative way. And uh, you know, the other thing I was going to say is a lot of the stuff that we talk about with challenger marketing, if you peel it back, it's just good marketing fundamentals. It's having a compelling story to share, telling it in a way that people are going to care about, aka putting engaging content out there that actually adds value to the audience you're trying to reach. And it's putting it out in, a, in channels where you can find the attention of your audience underpriced. It's like we were talking about before we went live, TikTok and the success that you've seen there. There's still a tremendous opportunity, although the window is closing for underpriced attention. So you know, really all this stuff when it comes to marketing innovation, when it comes to challenger marketing, at the end of the day, marketing is about changing perception and behavior to drive business results. The fundamentals of that have not changed because the fundamentals of human psychology and business have not changed. The layer on top of that of do you do TikTok? Do you do this, you know, this soccer sponsorship? The actual execution is what changes and where I think sometimes people need help, but the fundamentals are the same.
I truly believe fundamentals are still the same, even though I think due to technology, we see a change in customer behavior, in even psychological things. Um, but uh, the, the major things uh, uh, are, are stay the same and the layer on top always changes or ch currently changes. And uh, I, find, I hope that we never are those on the wrong side of history, you know, advising clients on outdated channels. Um, and, and I think, but besides TikTok, is there, is there one thing you say that's actually a big marketing trend or that's a big marketing tool everybody out there should pay attention to? I think the other one that people are talking about a lot is NFTs. Yeah. But my take on that is I think... You know, everybody, what do they say? Everybody always overestimates change in a 12-month window, but underestimates it in a 10-year window. I think that's exactly where we are with the NFTs in the metaverse. You see these brands doing things, and I think there is value to being a first mover, mostly for the learnings that it gives you. But to be honest, and I was in the agency world for a long time, I had these conversations. A lot of it is what I would call marketing for the sake of marketing. Yeah. It's CMOs who want the headlines, agencies who want the awards, whatever it is. So there is an opportunity to change perception and behavior to drive business results with the NFT and the metaverse world, but it is still way too early for most businesses to be there. Just going back to what we said before, um, I just want to touch on one thing because we're, we're doing some research now on how challenger businesses deploy their media budgets. Mm. And it's actually interesting because it kind of used to be, well, if you're a challenger and obviously I'm overgeneralizing, you're below the line. Your digital, your social media, your attention hacking, as you said. But actually, with how some above the line channels and the technology, and particularly the analytics around them, have evolved, you can be on TV with a small challenger level media budget. And so, you know, there's one business that we're interviewing as kind of a case study for this research, and they're a direct to consumer kind of healthcare brand here in the UK. And they actually went to TV very quickly with a very minimal budget, and they're able to track conversions and signups from it with this technology. So it all comes back to me, this idea of how do you be fit for purpose for the world of today? You think about things from scratch for the world that you know, as opposed to the world that you used to know. So you need a healthy level of ignorance of, hey, I might be a startup, but wait, why can't I go look at TV? Let's forget that that used to just be for incumbents. So I think you kind of need that constant refresher of rethinking about things and assessing the world and the opportunities and challenges it has right now. Or using tools that are actually for the grown-ups, but using it in a way that makes sense for you. For example, what we saw over here, certain niche groups going to niche TV stations, what was actually more efficient for them because they had their niche audience there that was their main audience instead of going to like the big leagues. Pascal is asking here, Pascal Wirt, thank you very much for asking your question and being so bold to be the first one today. Unbelievable. We watch you on all channels. You are out there, but you don't uh, ask questions. But uh, now we have Pascal here. Big question I hear a lot. Is TikTok really already so beneficial for B2B marketing? Interesting question. For me. Yeah, for you. So, question for you. You're the expert. I'll here. go first. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on it too, of course. Um, I think, so the short answer is yes. I'm trying to think of the right way to say it. I think what I said before of what's the story you want to tell, how do you tell it in a compelling way, and how do you find the underpriced attention of your audience Wherever those things are true, you should default to yes and work backwards. And what I mean by that is there is tremendously underpriced attention on TikTok. So start there and then work backwards and make sure that it makes sense, not just for your business and the audience you're trying to reach, but also for the other priorities you have. 
Nobody has unlimited budget. Certainly nobody has unlimited time. So you got to prioritize while balancing short and long-term um, roadmaps, what you want to do now. But I will say with TikTok, I think just how underpriced that attention is, it is something that's worth looking at. We're working with a massive global B2B manufacturing company, and they're um, launching an accelerator program to reach startups. And one of the recommendations that we're making is that they shouldn't, I think it would be really hard for them to kind of launch their own TikTok account with where their marketing is right now. But we're saying, hey, can we go find 10 or 12 influencers on TikTok that are speaking to this entrepreneurial audience that I know is there and get them to start talking about the program. So there are ways to get on the program, to get on the platform. And that's one tactic I would recommend looking at is you can get other people to tap that underpriced attention for you if you're not in a position to kind of launch your own account or have the resources to be producing your own content regularly. What I say to, to that, I totally agree. But one thing I would add, and that's um, we have we have seen TikTok has already such a big cultural impact currently on the way we tell stories, on the way how we produce videos, that um, we see already videos and other channels changing, YouTube, LinkedIn. So even though for B2B marketing, if you, for example, uh, are a large tech company selling, you know, multi-million, billion-dollar projects to insurers and banks around the world, probably the CEO or CMO is not on TikTok. But um, since the algorithms are so strong and the uh, customer feedback is so immediate there, uh, you can actually, you need to, it's a great training site actually for you and your marketing team, how to build great videos. So if you still go to agencies and spend six, seven figures on one single video, and that then gets only 200 views on YouTube, um, mine as the board that had a look at it in one board session, um, then, then it's time to really go to, uh, to TikTok in order to try this out um, and to, practice storytelling to practice also how to actually how do i start with this new channel and uh, you know have a look at that have a look at uh, things your client could maybe be interested and then really practice 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 um, and then also change the way how you produce video in other channels i say b2b tiktok is a little bit early maybe to have really true business results, but to train there and to also change the way you produce videos. I think the time has come right now. We do this actually, by the way, for B2B sales. I mean, we are uh, we have a big tech company we work for. Um, we are you know, producing fun and videos that are you know more looking like a rap video than actually B2B sales video. But that's the idea to take aspects from cultural, um, popular culture and then do it actually uh, into a video so that the people don't see that actually that's a sales video, just a fun video. And in the end, it's a sales video. I think sales that doesn't feel like sales is the best sales in the world. <laughs> yep. Agreed. Thanks, Patrick, Patrick, for, 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 for asking this. Um, what advice would you give, especially CEOs, leaders, entrepreneurs um, that are watching right now? How could you implement this, especially when you have an existing, um, existing um, company and structure? Uh, sorry, on TikTok specifically or just in oh, general? No, in general, modernizing and doing modern uh, marketing. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I'll go to a conversation I had recently with uh, Chris Skinner. I don't know if people know him, but you should go check him out. He's kind of yeah. a, I guess, a thought leader and a big influencer, more in the banking world. But and, in financial and of course, services we had him also on this show, by the way. You know, oh, okay, great. Yeah. <laughs> great, great. Um, so I love Chris. He's on the board of 11FS, so we spent some time together. We had him on our podcast recently. I don't think that episode's actually been released yet. Um, but we were talking a lot about this topic and, and broader than marketing, but essentially how do you drive innovation and change in incumbents? And I loved his answer because he's written a book about it where he interviewed a lot of execs at really big banks. And I was trying to really get under the skin of, because I think 
you know, the answer of where a lot of people go is, well, it's culture. And yes, it is culture, but what does that actually mean to me as an executive or manager in a business? Like, what do I actually, what do I do with that? If I have the people that I have and I don't have a new headcount and I've got a boss who wants X, Y, and Z, you know, what's the practical thing? And he talked to me about um, DBS, which is one of, or if not the biggest bank in Singapore and what they do to address this of, well, how do you innovate, but also deliver on the short term? He said they have two mandates, and this is true for any business. Somebody needs to run the business, aka the short term, and somebody needs to change the business, aka the long term. Mm -hmm. And so most businesses where they get stuck in that innovator's dilemma of, well, you know, I got to hit the next quarter's returns, I got to get my bonus, whatever that short term thinking is, where they get stuck is everybody's just focused on running the business. And maybe you've got like an innovation cell off to the side that's changing the business, but not really. But what DBS has done is the board has actually given the mandate of changing the business to the CEO. And -hmm. the mandate for running the business goes to the CFO or the COO, I forget which. And I thought that was really interesting because that's a change that you can make. You don't have to be the chairman or chairwoman of the board to give this to your CEO. Even if if you have a person working for you, even if you don't, you can tell yourself, all right, I need to run the business or run my job and also change my job, change the business. So I really liked that framework. And, you know, it's like Gary always says, ideas are shit and execution is everything. And so really it comes down to, well, you got to actually do something about it. Yeah, totally. And I, I think that's that's something um, super important to understand is the ex- execution is everything. I have two negative examples. One is startups that want to pitch an idea and first send an NDA. I already know then that yeah. that's probably going to fail because you focus on the wrong stuff. I have never sent an NDA, 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 to, NDA to everybody but because we were already far away in execution. And by the way, if others crush us because they're faster, they probably also deserve it. <laughs> and uh, the second thing is... Um, large strategy processes in large corporations that slow things uh, down. And uh, I think that's uh, that's a big, big problem. But we've seen also examples around the world in insurance and finance of companies actually, uh, you know, uh, solving that. All right, Eric, we have, you know, enjoyed uh, picking your brain. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you very much for everybody asking and watching, liking, sharing, commenting. I see you on, on all the, you know, on the Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter, um, Eric, is there anything the you know the community can do for you? And when should we call you? Um, in in terms of the community for me, so one, I just appreciate your time tuning in, whether it's live or you're watching this after. I'd love if you want to check out what we're doing, wearerival.com. Um, there's kind of the offering and the philosophy that I've talked about today, but then we're doing our best to put out content that we hope people will find valuable. So we got a podcast, we got a newsletter, we're releasing our first white paper next week. So I'd love if you could check that out. Let me know what you think. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn or I'm Eric at wearerival.com. And March 17th, uh, if the zombie apocalypse does not prevent it, Eric, me, and a very special guest from Hamburg, uh, from Germany and Switzerland, will uh, join us in a side event at Intratech Insights in the Intratech and the London Intratech Week. We have a great event put together with really, you know, short keynotes, uh, very cool workshop elements. There will be some cool video shooting and content creation for decision makers in insurance and finance. So make sure March 17th, if you're in London and you're not there, I'm going to unfriend you. 
All right, Eric, <laughs> thank you very much for everything. Thank you very much, everybody out there. Make sure to subscribe, share, comment, go to Eric's uh, website and uh, follow him there too. And maybe you can get on his secret email newsletter, which is something of the most innovative things I've seen in launching a company ever. Eric, thank you very much for being here. Thanks, Robin. Have a good day, everyone.